Welcome to the Plus Future podcast with me, James Nepal Singh. Join me as I coach Victoria Canton, who is one of the biggest up-and-coming names in the art world now. This is one of the most powerful coaching sessions I've ever done. Let's get right in. So, Victoria Canton, welcome to the Plus Future podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, what bump in the road would you like to discuss today, Victoria? Oh, blimey. So when you asked me this before, one of the things I thought about that I still feel very challenged by is this idea of my identity and fully embracing my being a a trans woman. It's in the context of the activism I do, one of the things that I say is that a trans woman is a woman. And one of the blocks that I regularly come up against from other individuals is that a trans woman is not a woman, but is a trans woman, is an other, so to speak separate from that. I do really struggle with that enormously. From a very young age, I felt myself to be a a girl, a young woman, and I told close friends and uh, medical professionals and so on that, um, you know, I understand myself to be a woman when I'm naked. It's not because I wear particular clothing or makeup or a pair of high heels that I am a woman or because I may have particular genitalia, for example, that my body may be a particular shape. That's not the definition. And so I suppose that all these ideas get challenged and that in turn I also feel challenged towards myself in in just simply embracing the idea of being a trans woman as opposed to just saying I'm a woman. Having to call out that additional uh, precursor of trans in front of in front of women, I suppose that's the thing I I feel a real issue with. Thank you for for opening up and sharing that experience, so Victoria. So just to clarify, you identify yourself as a woman. You're an activist, but the block comes from others because they don't see you as a woman. Ever since you were young, you felt like a when you're young, a young girl, a woman. And the shape of your body does not define you. It's not who you are. It's basically you identify yourself as a woman. That's definitely who you are. And you found that because of the the blocks that you found from others, you're challenging yourself towards you, the depiction or the identity of yourself. And the block is you're unable to embrace yourself as the woman that you are. Well, I suppose I get generally yes. I think also to further clarify, it's, it's, I suppose, accepting myself as a trans woman and not just a woman. 
I'd like to think I've always been open and stood up to be counted and say, yes, I'm trans. You know, I, I put my hands up. It's not anything that um, I've tried to hide since I came out fully publicly and undertook treatment to transition from a dual role situation where I was alternating between presenting as a man and presenting as a woman to presenting solely as a woman. I know that that started back in 2008-9. I suppose I went fully public in the spring of 2009 when I changed my name legally, my bank account and medical details with the NHS, etc., etc., national insurance and all of that. But from that point onwards, there was a constant challenge to my womanhood from others who were saying, no, you're not a woman. And then also from others, a constant call out that you, you're a trans woman. You know, that is neither a woman nor a man. And of course, I've always said I'm not a man. I've never been male. I was not permitted to say I was female or embraced as a female. And I, I think that's been the challenge privately and publicly. So it's accepting yourself as a trans woman and you've used the word embrace twice. So it's embracing your own identity and it's being embraced by others who are challenging you on that identity. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I am challenged to embrace myself as a trans woman and <laughs> I am challenged by others who are saying I'm not a woman, which I constantly want to effectively say, yes, I am. I think the fact that there are, I feel, mixed messages about in public conversation about whether a trans woman is a woman doesn't help clarify the situation. We also now have, of course, a lot of discussion around critical gender thinking, which basically states that a woman is only a woman who was genetically born female at the outset, you know, with XX chromosomes and, um, you know, a uterus, um, the ability to bear children, to get pregnant and, and so on and so forth. And a woman that did not develop that way in the womb, was not born that way, is not a female. So what would you like to leave this conversation with today and how would you like to feel by the end of this conversation? Oh boy, it's a tricky one because I want to feel better about myself. I suppose that means that because I cannot change the public global discourse on what is a woman, how is a woman, like, what, what makes a woman, how is a woman identified. I think I need to be able to fully embrace the fact that I need to feel better about how I am myself and that and and be more okay with just the the status quo that yes, I see myself as a woman, but I understand that publicly I'm a trans woman and publicly there are going to be other people that 
are not okay with me using the term woman in any way, in any context to describe myself. And that doesn't matter. So the goal by the end of today is you want to feel better about yourself. And you came to, I don't know if you realised this, but you came to a realisation there that the things that are in your control are the things that you have leverage over. This way you have agency. So you can control how much you love yourself, but you can't control other people's perceptions of you. It seems that appears to be what the focus of today is going to be from your perspective, how to embrace yourself more and how to be accepting of yourself and be kind to yourself. Yeah, I think um, it was acknowledging in conversation a long, long time ago that I am my own worst enemy. So being kind to myself is a good thing. And you've mentioned lots of external factors that aren't in your control, like critical theory, people you come in contact on a day-to-day basis. But just to clarify again, you are a woman. That's how you'll see yourselves. External people see you as a trans woman and other people even question that as well. But the focus of today, from your perspective, just to confirm, it's how you embrace yourself and be really comfortable and how to love yourself. I think so, yes. I would say so. Dealing with all the questions of everyone else has left me in a situation where I find it difficult to love myself, I guess. The two are linked. We can't get away from that. But I think the point that you raised is there are some things that you can control. So let's explore that a bit better. Where are we at the moment? So what's the block stopping you from loving yourself at the moment? I suppose one of the things I've had difficulty coming to terms with is my aging body. One, you know, I still keep diary type notes. I write a lot in my sketchbooks. I, I don't write blogs anymore as I used to, but I still keep, you know, write texts on my computer as well as physically in sketchbooks. And one of the things that I have a big trouble with is not so much the idea of aging, even though I suppose aging does, does play a part into it, but just simply the way that my body is developing. Of course, I'm 52, well, I'm about to be 53 next week as it happens. Happy birthday for next week. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, I'm practically 53. My body is not the body I had as, as a 25 or a 30-year-old. I'm a lot heavier than I was then. I think I still have good energy, good stamina. Obviously, the fact that I take estrogen and because of my gender transition surgery, as a result, my body doesn't produce testosterone because I no longer... If I may be so graphic, I also bold as to say, I no longer have testicles. So I don't have testosterone from those. Obviously, you get testosterone from the adrenal glands, but in, in tiny levels by comparison. One isn't without testosterone altogether. But that removal of testosterone you know, from my body radically has changed my body over the past... 10 years over and beyond 
the fact that I am simply 10, 20 years older than I was when I felt myself to be incredibly fit. I mean, you know, when I, when I was 30, I was in great, great shape. Even as a 40-year-old, I was still in very good shape. And now, as a, now I'm into my 50s, that's radically changed. And I, I do feel very let down by that, by my body. Additionally, I do not feel that the surgery I received in order to transition, so kind of like um, the gender corrective surgery, as it gets referred to, that was not, one might say, as fully successful as it could have been. And the result of that is that I find it very difficult to accept who I am as a physical person. I mean, um, you know, it's, it's difficult not to, not to hear the echoes of what's been said in the past um, to me by uh, others uh, that I am uh, either some sort of freak or some sort of abomination or or some sort of um, of just kind of medical experiment gone wrong. Victoria, I'm going to go completely out of coaching mode now. And I just want to say, I think you look great. And I've followed you on Instagram for a long time. As I said before, your art is really inspirational for me. So I've never seen you in that way at all. And I think a lot of people out there just won't. But I understand it must be so painful to have that background. And the way you describe your body, you said you feel let down by your body. So it, it's, it almost comes back to this question of agency. It feels like all these changes, all these opinions around you that you can't control. And with that baggage, it's stopping you from loving who you are. But like I said, you look fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> it helps that, um, yeah, get a grip, Victoria. It helps that I am in a very loving and supportive relationship with a partner who fully accepts who I am physically, personality. There's no criticism of that. This is, um, the criticism I have is very much an internal, an internal dialogue. It's not, it's not because my partner doesn't like my body, for example or doesn't appreciate who I am, how I sound, how I speak, how I look. This is very much coming from the voices inside my head, and I suppose probably the, the voices of my past. As um, Auden said, they fuck you up, your mum and dad. <laughs> and, um, and there's a lot of baggage that I have managed to shed, much like Robert De Niro's character in The Mission, I don't know if you've seen that film. At one point, it's set in the um, in the time of the conquistadors going to the Americas, and um, his character is punished 
De Niro's character is punished by carrying around a big rope sack full of armor and he's dragging this around like a ball and chain. There's a lot of past baggage that I have so far not successfully managed to like kind of release myself from. As I explained, I'm not a therapist or psychiatrist, but I was going to say that um, because that baggage, I can't help you get rid of that. But what I can do is to help you look forwards towards the future and sort of picture out the life you want to leave and the way you want to feel in the future and how to go about that. So my next question is, you said your partner is completely accepting of you. You get positive praise from your partner. They accept absolutely everything about you. What positive practical steps can you take to start talking to yourself in those terms as opposed to treating your body as an other that you can't control? I suppose it comes down to ideas of, I think the key word in what you just said was positive. It's like, it's affirmation. There's a lot explored in my artwork about ideas of positive mental health and and positive affirmation. Using the tricks I know to, to reinforce that positive way in which I talk to myself and finding or using the tricks to get myself centered again when I go off piste, so to speak, to come to, to you know to, to, to come back on track. I do realize that um, it's very easy for me to to forget that as I assume it is for anybody. And so it's then using the tricks, keeping people close to me who are supportive and accepting of who I am in order to remind me of who I am when I forget who I am. What you described there is a path and you veer off that path where there's no positivity. Your art keeps you on that path so it's like a navigational compass and having supportive people around you who do remind you of who you are will change that narrative, those negative voices, it sounds like. My next question is, if you had to paint a picture of the ideal you, who's very positive and accepting of who you are and how your body's changing, what would that picture look like? Oh, wow. So can you give me a little bit more guidance in regards to that? (laughs) Sure. So. Before we started recording, you, you explained that you're exploring some ab- abstract elements of your art as opposed to the figurative. So if you had to tap into the emotions of when you want to feel really positive about yourself and who you are as a person, how would you depict that on the canvas? I'm sorry for the big pause. I don't know where to begin with that because recently there's been a number of self-portraits and and certainly the majority of them are actually when I reflect on them. These portraits that show who I am, I think warts and all. They show the the scars 
the lines, the sagging flesh, the blotchy flesh, the fat. And I suppose in some respects, maybe painting those is some sort of um, exorcism. There was a book I was into many years ago called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. I don't know, are you familiar with the book? Yeah, so they're kind of like these um, step-by-step directives of um, exercises to follow. And um, one of the exercises is about getting, in part, is about getting the poison out of oneself. And to a certain degree, I suppose, I use painting as a way to clear the drain pipes. There was a, there was a painting I did about seven, eight years ago. It's a, um, a simplified description of it is that it's a large, uh, about two meters by, by one and a half meter canvas, which is all black. I mean, it's various tones of black. It's very abstract and gestural. It's, it's more than just simply Malovich black square. But at the end of the day, it's a black canvas. And I remember having a conversation with another artist and saying that um, the, the canvas isn't big enough. It doesn't matter how big it is. It's never going to be big enough. And I ended up writing in, a, writing in my journal about this idea that the painting, it's like vulture picking up at the bones of a carcass or, or, or a crow. It's like using an axe to cleave a piece of wood. Uh, and painting can be like that. What, what type of paint? So to come back to your original question, I suppose the paint, how does one define a beautiful painting? How does one define something that doesn't just show the bleakness and the darkness? And at the same time, is that even, even if one can achieve something like that, then is that beneficial as opposed to, say, trying to, like, vomit out all the poison inside oneself so it's no longer poisoning one, but rather is kind of just got rid of, got rid of out of oneself? Words you used there are quite interesting. So it seems, correct me if I'm wrong, the artistic process for you is almost like a healing or cleansing exercise. You said exorcism, it's regurgitation, it's vomiting. So you're getting the poisons out of your body. Certainly, and with certain artworks, that can be the case. What other options do you have available through your art, if that's your current process? to get you towards the goal that you've identified here of actually embracing and loving yourself and surrounding yourself by supportive people and that are actually putting you on that path of telling you who you really are then? I think maybe I need to find space in my everyday life to bring in activities that can help me. just instead of instead of the art being something that's there from from like when I wake up until when I go to bed, 
making space for, say, yoga, for example, for meditation, making space in the day for things like that, which may be more helpful to me than the way in which I can use the art. And maybe if I undertake those those activities anyway, perhaps the um, art will metamorphose into something else anyway as a result of me doing those things. Do you have a pen and paper to hand or something you can make a note on? I can get pen and paper. Do you, do you want to, if that's okay with you? Yeah, it's, I'm going to be about a minute. So whilst we wait for Victoria to get her pen and paper, just to update you, Victoria is doing a residency in Italy at the moment. And she's got an amazing background behind her of some gorgeous fauna from Italy. She's near Perugia at the time. I was just telling the listeners whilst we're waiting that you're in Italy at the moment and your backdrop's very gorgeous with lots of nice Italian fauna. Officially, we are in a... We are just outside a town called Città de Pieve, which in turn is just outside Perugia. It's up in the hills. It's a good, um, I suppose, probably about 15 to about 15 minutes drive up into the hills out of Perugia. But the, the sky at night is amazing. There's no light pollution around here. No, no electric lights. So the um, the the stars. The last couple of eve. I mean, we I came here on Monday. The last couple of nights, just sitting sitting outside the little house that um, I'm staying in, and staring up at the sky. It's stunning. We had a full moon. Had near enough a full moon last night as well. You mentioned yoga and meditations. To what extent could you? meditate under the stars i certainly don't meditate in the way i used to and that's some that's a practice i think i need to return to i think it would be very helpful to me i used to meditate many years ago and i used to attend um kind of like guided meditation groups and the like and 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 the same with yoga as well and i think it would be i'm sure it would be very helpful to me to get back into that practice again. It would help with both uh, me mentally and and the yoga, of course, would also help me physically. I'm sure that the fact that if, if, if I can be fitter, healthier, I know I'm not that unhealthy. My alcohol intake is at, I smoke literally a handful of roll-up cigarettes per week. In fact, I've been in Italy for 10 days now. And in the past 10 days, I've had two roll-up cigarettes. (laughs) So it just shows how much I smoke. I had my blood pressure checked fairly recently, a few weeks ago. And my blood pressure was was very good. So I know know in 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 those respects, I'm healthy. But I am chronically overweight, which is not a good thing. And it certainly doesn't help how I feel about my my body in general and myself. Okay, pencil and paper. Excellent. So just to summarize what you were saying there, you used to attend yoga classes and used to meditate. What I was going to invite you to do is to write down the days of the week for this week and next week 
and actually put some suggested times of when you can devote some time to yoga and or meditation and how you actually do that how do you visualize that would it be on youtube for example or would you just do it by yourself or would you search for classes in italy it hadn't occurred to me but youtube seems like a very good idea i think um using um some sort of guided meditation would be really helpful because i am very much out of the practice and what times of the day would work best for that you mentioned the stars when I used to participate in, in like meditation classes years ago, I mean, it could happen any time of the day, but in the artist's way, Julia Cameron certainly talks about morning pages being first thing in the morning to prepare you for the day you have ahead. I think that starting the day with that to put me in the, in the right kind of prepare me mentally for the day rather than dealing with healing whatever the day was at the end seems like a very a, a better idea would you like to write that down so the times of the day you're going to do that for this week and next week right yeah so, so i'm saying to do it after breakfast the breakfast every day mm -hmm. today we are Wednesday so tomorrow Thursday and I know like in terms of the other activities that are going on out here at the residency I can certainly do it Friday and then maybe do it like Sunday morning and you've written those days down as well yeah I am doing so now and what's your typical way of holding yourself accountable for the goal you've just set yourself the simplest answer to that is, I don't know that I have a typical way. If we had to create one now, what would that look like? Because of all the work I've done in the past and so on, with a lot of things, I can be disciplined when I want to be. So it's a case of simply, I say I'm going to do this, so this is what I'm going to do. So you've got enough self-discipline to do that, that commitment? I, I I believe so, and, and these aren't these are this is not a um, undoable goal. Worst case scenario, if that discipline slips for whatever reason, what other options have you got to get yourself accountability? If it slips, then it's a case of do it at the next possible opportunity. I could give you some suggestions. So your partner, for example, you could just mention to them that you're going to do this and they, they can say, oh, or even me, if you just WhatsApp me to say, James, I've done this today. That's another option. But it sounds like you've got discipline, so you're quite confident, but I'll just leave those options out there for you to do as well. I appreciate that. It seems that they, yeah, they're very good. They're very good suggestions. Thank you. So, so my coaching, it's about focusing on the positives and expanding on those so the positives you you raise today you've got a very supportive network you've got your partner who's very positive about you you've got your art that guides you and reminds you who you are as well and what you said is you're healthy you smoke a handful of roll-ups uh, a week you've only had a couple since you've been in italy and your blood pressure's fine so my suggestion to you would be just focus on those positives and combine that with the, the yoga and the meditation plan and just see how that works for you. 
just to summarize where we are today. So when we started, it sounded like um, the goal you wanted to set yourself was learning how to embrace yourself and your identity when you've got all these external factors that you can't control, but you, you had the realization that this is something that you can control because it's your own internal voice. Like I said, you've got this, this positive support of your partner around and you've got your art and you're on track now to be positive and go back to your old meditation and yoga. And you're going to try that. I left the question about what the ideal piece of art would look like that will match the ideal image of you as well. And it was quite difficult for you to answer that understandably. But as I said, a lot of coaching happens after the session. And the way you described art, some of the art as a process was um, almost exorcism or dispelling negative things. But one suggestion as well, I'll invite you to, to explore your residency and see what other ways your art can take you on this journey to actually loving yourself and embracing who you actually are. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about today, Victoria? No, I mean, there's, um, it's been a very emotional conversation. And I think um, there's a lot that's been raised in in what was said that is like a lot of um, food for thought anyway. As, 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 yeah, I know it's going to roll around inside my head for a while and probably get greater clarity over the coming kind of like days and weeks anyhow. Excellent. Yeah, coaching does do that to a person, which is very normal. Like I always say, hard work happens after the session not during the session well like you said when it rolls around your head but feel free to reach out to me anytime if you want to talk about anything we've raised today thank you no i do really appreciate the um opportunity you've given me to have and talk about these things it's a good thing and i have to thank you as well for being so open and so generous with your emotions and your time as well so thank you ever so much and Thank you for your art as well. It's inspired me profusely and I'm sure it has others as well. Thank you for joining the Plus Future podcast. Thank you very much for having me as a guest. It's been enlightening. That was such a powerful session. I knew at the start that the session would probably verge onto therapy-related themes. I made it clear to Victoria before the recording where the boundaries between coaching and therapy lie. I want to say a big thank you to Victoria for opening up. As she said, it was the first time she's spoken in public about most of her issues. Hopefully it will help others who are in a similar position. Please feel free to like, share and leave a review. Until next time.